not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was the one. This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. Amen. It's hard to know where to start with a passage like that because for one thing, it's poetry. And it's hard to kind of preach from a poem um, in an exegetical way where you kind of break it down and teach each piece of it. But at the same time, it's hard not to preach from this passage because there's so much rich, um, so many rich layers to it. In fact, I would say that my entire theology, the way that I want to live my life, is based off of this passage and this passage alone. Because here's the thing, there's this theological term called the incarnation. How do you say meat in Spanish, anyone? Carne. Meat. So incarnation, in the flesh, God in the flesh is what we call Jesus. It's not that Jesus was a man who was like God. We believe in this thing called the Trinity where the creator, redeemer, and sustainer are all one at the same time. The Father, Son, and the Spirit are all one at the same time. And so John starts off by talking about that, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Nothing came into being without the word being there. And John's really gutsy to start off his gospel like that because anybody who read this in the ancient times would have known, oh, he's talking about Genesis, and now he's saying this new thing has happened. John is writing that there is a new creation, but that new creation happens to be us. We saw it happen before our very eyes just a few moments ago. Through Jesus, we've been given the power, we've been given the, the right, we've been given the opportunity to claim the name of Christ as our own, to become children of God. Now, the difference is we are not God. As much as we think we are sometimes. 
We aren't. So John starts off in this really theological way talking about creation and new creation and who gets to be part of this new creation and who is the new creation. And we, John's got guts and he digs in a little deeper and he starts talking about it a little more, about the, what this new creation happens to be. But I wonder how that affects our lives. Because if we are children of God, if we are Christ followers, then we ought to do the things that Christ was about. And that's what Christmas is. Christmas is the story of the creator of everything. The person who's sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you. The mountains that we look at on our way to church in the mornings. The creator of all decided to come and show us what life is to be about. And this isn't the first time that God interacted with human beings. If you read in the, the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, you'll read through like Micah and Amos and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets, and you'll see that God was interacting with people a lot through other human beings, but it wasn't God in them. It wasn't, it wasn't actually God coming to them until Jesus came along. And that changes everything. And then the way Jesus lived his life was constantly living out that thing, that God in flesh for people. So you'll remember the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was despised. He had ripped people off. He had stolen money from others. He was a Jewish guy, by the way, who was ripping off other Jewish people. And Jesus and his disciples are coming through town and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. So he climbs up into a tree because he was small in stature and there was a large crowd and he wanted to see him really clearly, not just catch a glimpse. And so he climbs up into a tree and when Jesus goes by, he's shouting out at him. And Jesus looks up into the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. Let's go to your house today. Let's spend some time where you're comfortable. See, for me, it's so much easier to say, why don't you come with me and go to the place that I'm comfortable? But that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of the Creator the creator says, I'll come to you because I can see that you're struggling. There's this darkness that has taken over the world and I can see that it's a real struggle for you and I'm coming to shine light into the darkness to call you out of the cave just like Lazarus was called out of the cave. Think about your life and the dark times and the dark places and you may be in one now. Sometimes the darkness is because of our own choices, because of relationships that we enter into, because of substances that we put into our body, because of the way that we think about the world around us, because, because we've allowed racism to kind of dig into our lives. Whatever that may be, you may recognize the darkness, and a lot of the times it's because of our own choices, and sometimes it's because of other people's choices, and their sin pushes us into a dark place. But Jesus comes and calls us out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. And that's what John was talking about. That's typically called the baptizer, but he never baptizes anybody 
in the Gospel of John. All he does is bear witness. So in the Gospel of John, he's John the witness. The one who talks about the things in his life that God has done and the ways that Jesus is moving and acting and being in the world. So incarnational living is where we live in a way that we go. You may have noticed that every single Sunday I stand in this spot when we're all done and before you leave and I say, as you are going. That's intentional. Because what we do in here is one thing, but what we do out there is the thing. What we do outside of these doors is live incarnationally. We then become, as best as we can, we try to live as though we are the flesh and blood of Jesus, interacting in the world around us. And that's why it's strange to me when all churches do on Christmas Eve is ask people to come in and worship with them. That's why it's important to me that we find a place on Christmas Eve to at least for some of us, however small the number has to be, to go to another place and take the Spirit of Christ to people. So this year at 3 o'clock, we're going to gather at Casa de Oro. And there are probably going to be too many of us to actually get to go into the building. So maybe we'll walk through the hallway singing some Christmas carols, and then we'll go outside and have communion together and read the Christmas story and light some candles and sing Silent Night. But our hope is that in those moments, the people who live there who don't want to be there, nobody wants to end up in a retirement home that way. Not just a retirement home, in like a full-on nursing home. That some joy will come into their life. Because that's what it's about. It's kind of easy to do on Christmas and around Christmas time. We're pretty good at it. The difficulty is when August 3rd rolls around and it's 112 degrees and 0% humidity and your skin is cracking and your nose is bleeding and all you want is some rain. Please, God, won't it rain? It's a little bit harder to remember that our job is to love other people in the name of Jesus. And it's hard to do when you have to put yourself on the line, right? When, when maybe your credibility, when maybe your pride is put on the line, it's really hard to do then. Because that's going to cost you something. I, I don't know if you were able to follow along and really pay attention to the words of the song that Michael was singing, but one of the lines in it is, we will not fight their wars we will not fall in line. Because if it's us or them, it's us for them. That song is about incarnational living, living as though we are Jesus in the flesh. It's not talking about political things. It's talking about the war between who's right and who's wrong, the war between should they say happy holidays or Merry Christmas, the war between should you walk, watch Duck Dynasty or not, the war between should you do this or that thing, like the culture wars that everybody's telling us we should be involved in, like we're not going to play that game. 
Because if it's us or them, we'll step across the line and say it's us for them. I've racked my brain trying to figure out a really good illustration of what it looks like to live incarnationally. And the only one that I can ever come up with is from a book called About a Boy. Did anybody ever read About a Boy? Anybody ever watch the movie? There's a scene in About a Boy. We're going to watch it here in a minute, but I need to set it up before, before we watch it. <clears throat> There's a boy that the book and movie are sort of about. And there's a man who's kind of a boy that the book and movie are sort of about. And there's a woman who is the younger boy's mom. And she uh, is mentally ill and suicidal. And the little boy loves her to pieces. And he wants her to know how much he loves her. So he steps across the line. And puts himself out there in front of his entire school to sing a song to his mom at a talent show. And he sings horribly. And then there's a man who loves the boy and loves his mom who steps across the line as well. There's something beautiful. I mean, I was in tears watching that because can you imagine being in middle school, having the darkness in your life that that boy has in his life, and then having somebody step in and take that pain for you. That's incarnational living. Putting yourself out there for other people. Because when it's us or them, it should be us for them. Because that's the example that we were given on Christmas. And the rest of Jesus' life, that's the way he lived. And so for us to be followers of Jesus, that's what we're about. We're about seeing the brokenness in the world and stepping into it and giving a damn. Because too often I think that what we do is we just stand there and we watch it and we say, oh, that, that stinks. I wish that didn't happen. I wish they didn't have to go through that. But they don't. They don't. John writes that The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The darkness cannot overcome the light. It can't. We are the light. We are those who walk into the dark places and stand with people and sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed so that they can see the light as well. And we do it in the name of the Creator and in the name of the Redeemer and in the name of the Sustainer. Amen.